It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your gracious and humble host, your voice of reason, Eric G, welcoming you to another episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. Coming up on today's show, I will defend the Thunder against the likes of one Isaiah Thomas. Also, we'll talk about how this series has become all about Russell Westbrook and how that's getting into Russell Westbrook's head. We'll hear from Billy Donovan as he talks strategy and what it means for the Thunder when Jeremy Grant ends up playing the five. Cliff Brunt from the Associated Press brought up the fact that Andre Robertson is out this series, which is a valid point. I haven't gone there because Andre hasn't played this entire year. But we'll talk about the impact that Andre Robertson could have had on this series and why it is making a difference. We'll also hear from Kendrick Perkins. We let you hear a little bit of what he said on Get Up yesterday. We'll let you hear the other half of it today. And we'll talk about some very tough and uncomfortable questions that the Thunder don't want to have to be answering coming up over the next 14 hours or so. My name's Eric G. I work for 1340 The Game in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I also host a channel, and that is at basketballmaven.io slash thunder. It's for uh, maven.io. It's called Thunder Maven. And if you like what you hear, then just download the Himalaya app to your phone. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play the Locked on Thunder podcast. The Oklahoma City Thunder are just 48 minutes away from being eliminated for the third straight year in the first round of the playoffs. And yes, when you say it like that, it's certainly damning. It's a referendum on the organization. And as a fan, it doesn't make you feel very good at all. In fact, you're scratching your head wondering where do the Thunder go from here. But if you just take that on face value, it doesn't tell you the entire story of the last three years, which is Kevin Durant leaving, the Thunder having to rebuild, Sam Presti taking Victor Oladipo and Damanis Sabonis, turning them into Paul George, Sam Presti doing what he could to make Russell Westbrook and the fans happy by bringing Carmelo Anthony in, but ultimately that didn't work out, and Paul George having not one, but two hurt shoulders, and then there's this guy by the name of Andre Robertson, who could be making a major difference on defense right now if he were playing, but he's been out this entire year. And real quick, let's delve into that, because um, Cliff Brunt brought that up today on his Twitter feed. Yes, if Andre Robertson were playing, you could have him on C.J. McCollum, you could stick him on Damian Lillard, it would certainly free up Paul George from his defensive duties, and maybe Paul George wouldn't be expending as much energy on defense and can give you a little bit more on the offensive end if he wasn't having to uh, shadow C.J. McCollum almost the entire time that he's out there and then worry about Dame Lillard, but it still wouldn't make Paul George's shoulders any better. Um, and Andre wouldn't give you anything on the offensive end, but maybe you wouldn't need as much on the offensive end if some of that Portland scoring was getting slowed down. 
So I don't certainly don't want to make light of it. But also, by the same token, you haven't had Andre Robertson all year, and you've been able to beat Portland four times without Andre Robertson. I would have thought you could have mustered up another four times against the Blazers without him as well. And I also thought maybe Oklahoma City was more on Portland's head, but they're really not. So back to the point at hand. The point at hand is this. If we're going to damn the Thunder, and we're going to destroy the organization, for them bowing out in the first round of the playoffs, which they haven't yet. Now, they're 48 minutes away from doing it, but they haven't yet. Then let's tell the entire story, and let's not do what Zeke did today on the Stephen A. Smith Show. This is Isaiah Thomas from the Stephen, Smith, from the Stephen A. Smith Show on ESPN Radio. And remember, let me set up what he was asked. What Isaiah Thomas was asked is how bad a look is this on Russell Westbrook and Paul George, if they can't get past the first round and they were outperformed by the Blazers' backcourt, and how bad does that essentially make Paul George look because he chose Oklahoma City over the Lakers? And here's what Isaiah Thomas's response to Stephen A. Smith's question was. Well, I, I, I say it's a terrible organizational look and also a player look. I mean, you got to... You got to take it all into account, Stephen A. You you look at OKC over the last eight to nine years. Arguably, they've had the best players come through their organization over the last eight to nine years and haven't been able to to hold those players. They've probably spent the most money over the last eight nine years than any other organization or top five organization out there. Also, so when you look at the players who have come through there in terms of Durant, Westbrook, Harden, uh, Ibaka, Ibaka, uh, Paul Reggie George, Jackson, Reggie Jackson. I mean, they they that organization and and that management has had you know a plethora of players that have come through their organization. So to just blame it on Westbrook and George this year, yes, uh, that that is a bad look. But when you look over the last eight years from where they were in the NBA Finals. If you just start from when OKC was in the NBA Finals uh, battling against the Miami Heat and look at what has happened to them and the players that have come in and out of that organization, not only do you have to question players, but you also have to question the management, coaching, and so forth and so on. So it's not just Westbrook and George. I think you have to examine the the whole organization and their strategy, what has happened, and critique that also along with those two. Sam Presti has definitely made some bad moves in the time that he has been the GM of the Oklahoma City Thunder. The two, the, the, the three that really stick out to me in no particular order are Ronnie Price, Mitch McGarry, Perry Jones. A lot of people like to go with Kyle Singler, but that's low-hanging fruit. And Kyle Singler was also a guy that was coveted by the Spurs at that time. So whatever, it didn't work out. Kyle Singler's no longer with the team. I can take that argument. I can leave that argument either way. But let's tell the whole story like Isaiah Thomas was talking about. Let's mention the fact that Reggie Jackson was a malcontent and didn't get along with his teammates and both Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook wanted him out. That's not Sam Presti's fault. That's Reggie Jackson's fault and Reggie Jackson didn't sign a contract. Let's mention that Serge Ibaka was hurt in a key series against San Antonio and let's mention that Serge Ibaka got traded and ultimately that ended up turning into Paul George and neither Stephen A. Smith or Isaiah Thomas 
would say that that turned out necessarily bad for Oklahoma City. Let's mention the fact that, you know, Sam Presti made some ballsy moves when Kevin Durant was out of town in order to keep Russell Westbrook here, and everybody thought that was a good move at the time. So, yes, let's tell the entire story. Let's talk about all of it and put it into proper context before we start saying that Sam Presti's a crummy GM, Billy Donovan's a bad coach, and the Thunder just don't know what they're doing. Look, I'll totally agree with you. You're not getting what you should get for the $143 million that you're spending this year, and it's bringing the Thunder to a crossroads, which we're going to talk about in segment number three. And I will tell you that when we talk about this series being a referendum on Russell Westbrook's career, which I still don't agree with, one thing that I will 100% stand next to you on and just clap my hands if you want to make this argument is that because this series has become so much about Russell Westbrook, it has gotten into his head. And because of it, Russell Westbrook is trying to take over games the only way that he knows how. He has reverted back to he's reverted back to Russell Westbrook of the year that Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City. That's what Russell Westbrook has become because he's not getting his teammates involved when he should. He is taking way too many shots early in the shot clock, settling for too many jumpers, not going to the paint. He's being goaded by guys on the Portland Trailblazers to take shots, and we know what happens with Russ. When you tell Russ he can't do something, then Russ has to go prove that he can do exactly what you said he can't do. He is immature. I will give you that, Seth Greenberg, that Russell Westbrook is definitely immature, not just in how he's handling the media. I could care less how he handles us, doesn't handle us. But on the court, Russell Westbrook needs to show the maturity to not let trash talk get to him. Russell Westbrook loves to talk trash, but he doesn't like to have it come back on him, or at least he doesn't like people sparking him the way that Portland is. And now Russ has to find it within himself to be this calm, cool, collected guy that I'm not sure he can be over these next few games if the Thunder are going to extend this series. He might be able to pull it off one night, but can he do it for three straight nights, which is what the Oklahoma City Thunder need? And I don't know. I don't don't see it happening. I really don't. And... Russ is going to feel the weight of this. My my fear is is not that just that Oklahoma City loses this series, but it's such a crushing blow to Russ's ego that he lives with it all summer and all through next year. And you don't have just two wasted seasons, three if you count the year that Kevin Durant had the Jones fracture. You don't have just three wasted seasons in Thunder history. You may end up with four wasted seasons if Russ can't get psychologically right between now and and the beginning of next year. This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast. I am Eric G. Please download the Himalaya app to your phone, and then when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play the Locked On Thunder Podcast. Coming up next here on LOT, Billy Donovan talks strategy and what the advantages and the disadvantages are of having Jeremy Grant play the five. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. 
but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for listening on the Himalaya app and downloading that to your phone and then telling your smart device to play the Locked On Thunder podcast. All the Locked On podcasts can be found at LockedOnPodcast.com. This has been an absolutely, this, this has been what we call an opposite series for the Oklahoma City Thunder, meaning Nothing has gone the way you thought it was going to go. We thought Steven Adams would dominate inside the paint. Uh, so far, that hasn't been the case. We thought Ennis Canner was more of a liability than he was a help to the Portland Trailblazers. And as it turns out, Canner's played really darn well in this series and done a pretty good job on Steven Adams from the defensive end. Also, we thought the Thunder might get Steven Adams. Okay, I thought Oklahoma City might get Steven Adams more involved in the um, in the offense. That certainly hasn't happened. He has not gotten near the amount of touches that he should be getting. And I said, you know, it should be anywhere from about 55 to 60 in this series and that the Thunder should just tear them up in the paint. The other thing we thought might happen with Oklahoma City in this series is that the Trailblazers, who really haven't had an answer for Jeremy Grant's length in the regular season, would struggle with Jeremy Grant on both ends of the floor, meaning that in some of these switches, you would see Jeremy Grant maybe getting to guard C.J. McCollum, getting the opportunity to guard a guy like Damian Lillard, and that they would have problems. But it wasn't until you saw him move to the five, that that actually manifests itself. Plus, Grant going to the rim, well, okay, nobody for Oklahoma City is going to the rim as much as they should. Not only are they not going, not only are they not going to the rim, but when they go to the rim, ultimately they're not finishing, so they're not getting points. They're not going to the free throw line. They're not getting Portland and foul. Okay, I've talked about all this for the last two days. Um, Paul George, I... I think when we look back on Paul George's series, I didn't know what to expect from Paul George, but um, certainly we know he's hurt a hell of a lot worse than what he's letting on. And then uh, Russ just went back to being Russ. I mean, like all this is is not anything that we certainly expected from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, but now you're in a great situation, meaning this. Here's where the Thunder are in a great situation. One, Nobody expects them to win tonight. So all the pressure should be on the Portland Trailblazers. It shouldn't be on Oklahoma City. Everybody's already shoveled dirt 
on Russell Westbrook. You've got people trying to figure out how to trade him. People are already trying to blow up the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're firing Billy Donovan. They're getting rid of Sam Presti. So the season is over. And the talk is, is how is Portland going to match up with either San Antonio or Denver? So you ought to be able to come in loose and you ought to be able to go in with that attitude of, hey, anything goes tonight. Anything you can possibly pull out of the bag of tricks if you're Billy Donovan or you're a player on the court, feel free to do so. That's a good position to be in, especially against a team who coming into this series had a lot of pressure on them from their fan base in order to advance. So it's just a matter of taking advantage of this situation if you are Oklahoma City. You know, whatever Billy Donovan, whatever you got, do it. Go small more, um, which I like that lineup, and we'll hear him talk about that here in a second. Um, and, and again, we've talked about other guys you can bring off the bench, but, you know, I uh, I think ultimately when we look at Russell Westbrook and we figure out what's going on with him, I would ask you this, and this is the one thing that you've got to ask yourself if you're Billy Donovan and you're Sam Presti after this series is over. If Paul George isn't scoring, who else do I want to have the ball other than Russell Westbrook? And if you can't truly answer that, if you cannot answer in your mind, hey, in certain situations, there's a better option than Russell Westbrook then it is time to start changing this roster and figuring out guys you can bring in that ultimately Russell Westbrook will trust. And who knows? Look, if Russell Westbrook has told you, these are the guys I want, these are the guys I trust, then, hey, Sam, it's not your fault. It's Russ's fault. Let's talk a little strategy now. Uh, We've talked about Jeremy Grant, who I think is ultimately the X factor in tonight's game. So here's Billy talking about putting Grant at the five and what are the advantages and disadvantages for Oklahoma City when he does that. Um, well, I think, you know, one is, is, is the spacing part of it I thought was important. You know, we, um, uh, I, I think because we weren't maybe finishing or getting stuff downhill um, at the basket, we missed some of those shots. You know, I thought putting Jeremy in at the five just stretched the floor a little bit, gave us another really good roll because Steven's such a great roll to the basket. Jeremy's also, when he's in that situation, can do the same thing. Um, I think it gave us the flexibility to kind of maybe trap McCollum a little bit more with Jeremy out there, trap Lil a little bit more. It gave us when, you know, Jeremy were in, and Paul were in pick and roll, we could do different things with those guys. So we were able to do a lot of, you know, just different things. And, um, you know, the hard part, I think, for Steven and Neurons a lot of times is because they are so fast is that, you know, when those guys are coming off screening actions is them taking on our bigs and then you know how you handle those kind of actions with your protection and your coverage becomes really really critical so you know we did some different things they obviously you know went big um and then we tried to go small um you know coming out of that game three um i think the other part you know of it was um they played a little bit bigger in game three than maybe they had the first two previous games they did it a little bit in the first quarter of game one, and they kind of went away with it, and they pretty much played small with their second unit. And then they came back with Aminu and Harkless and kind of went with their starters to close the game. And um, and then game three, they played that about five minutes in the in the second quarter till about, I don't know, maybe eight minutes in the fourth where they played bigger with Leonard and Collins or Leonard and Cantor. Um, so, uh, you know, we obviously against that have done, done some different lineups as well. Yeah, how do you decide when 
you want to make them adjust to your lineups versus when you want to match what they're doing or go the opposite? Well, I don't think that their necessarily their substitutions have always been relatively consistent. You know, if you look at it, I think if you look at their rotations from from games one through four, they haven't had. I mean, they they did not play Layman in the first game. They played Layman in the second game. Uh, game three, they didn't play Turner really at all. In the second half, he played five minutes. Um, they didn't really play big very much. They played Leonard and Collins together. So, how is the game going? You know, how is the team that's on the floor playing and performing? Um, you know, if we're on a run, obviously you kind of want to stick with that. I thought our second unit there um, coming in at the end of the first and then even the second did a really nice job for us. They played very, very well. Um, and then we got down, you know, we got down and just tried to do something to kind of maybe inject or infuse some energy there to get back. I thought that was good. I think Paul made a three to close the third. You know, we got it within 11 and then we got it down in the single digits and then you know, they kind of got it back up again, and that's when just decided to do something a little bit different. So a lot of it, you know, I, I think sometimes you, if you go in with a plan, you know, at, at this moment we're going to do this, at this uh -huh. moment we're going to do that. Well, what happens when Paul picks up three fouls? What happens when Terrence is in foul trouble? You know, what happens when maybe something's not going as well? I think you have to adjust to those things, you know, based on, you know, what they have out there or what you can maybe do to counter some of those things. Would have never thought Portland's length and size would be as big an issue as it has been in this series. And I really honestly thought that if the Thunder were that committed to going to the paint, that they would have a much easier time scoring than what they did. But it's turned out to be the exact opposite of that. And Oklahoma City has been stuck trying to figure out ways to score. But then again, you know, it just comes back to, look, you're not hitting your threes, go inside but if you were hitting your threes, that would be a hell of a lot easier. Again, just no easy answer for Oklahoma City tonight. And I, I think when we may just actually be stuck praying for another game, which was very similar to what we got in Game 3. Coming up next on the Locked on Thunder podcast, hear the second part of what Kendrick Perkins had to say about Oklahoma City being dysfunctional and some very uncomfortable, tough questions that the Thunder don't want to be answering here in the next few hours. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast. Thank you for downloading the Himalaya app to your phone. And when you get into your car, thank you for telling your smart device to play the Locked on Thunder podcast. Don't forget, you can listen on Apple iTunes as well as Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. The Wise Indoor Camera does it all. It is packed with premium features that allows you to see everything from anywhere for a low, low fee of only $20. That's right, images so clear you're not going to miss a thing. There's night vision, there's two-way audio, which means you can listen and talk to the person. Um, you can see it on your phone, see all the images on your phone. There's free 14-day rolling cloud storage, so you can save those images. And um, hey, connect with life as it unfolds with sharp focus. Live stream with eight times digital zoom, so keep an eye on your kids. Keep an eye on what's going on on the stove. If anybody's working on your house, you can make sure that they're taken care of. And for just $10 more, you can get a 110-degree rotational speed, 360 horizontal range, and 93-degree vertical range. All you have to do is upgrade. And yes, that does have the free rolling 14-day cloud storage. Just go to wise.com slash podcast and wise is spelled w-y-z-e that's wise.com slash podcast
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, I am Eric G. Thanks for downloading the Himalaya app to your phone. So, Kendrick Perkins uh, making a huge splash on GetUp. Not only is Kendrick Perkins really good on TV, but when he has insight on the Oklahoma City Thunder, especially with a guy like Russell Westbrook, people are going to listen. Yesterday, we played a little bit for you where he said, hey, Russ wasn't the leader when I was there because I was the leader. Now everybody's questioning Russell Westbrook's leadership abilities and Perk said even yesterday that it starts from the top down and, hey, maybe we need to be looking at Billy Donovan. Right now, I see a dysfunctional team. Uh, offensively, we don't know what they're running. Uh, defensively, they can't figure it out. Uh, we don't know if they're trapping CJ. We don't know if they if the uh, trapping Dame. Uh, you know, the role players are not stepping up right now. Well, Russ is struggling. Um, I don't know what's going on with Russ, but to me, I think Oklahoma City have to hang their hats on the defensive end. I feel like uh, right now they're they're getting in a battle that they can't win and trying to outshoot Dame and CJ and the Portland Trailblazers for his three-point shots. They should own the paint. Every game they should dominate in paint points. And I think it starts from the top. And with OKC, it starts from the top with the coaching. I think at the end of the day, you have to put your players in, in position to be successful. If you see the threes are not falling, how about run some cross picks, get Russ to the block, which he has become a, a pretty good post-up player, get Paul George coming down off some pin downs off the curls, getting to the basket. But right now, they're trying to get in the shootout with two guys that got it on their mind. I mean, Dame and C.J. McCullen are killing right now. And something different that happened yesterday that never really happened in the playoffs is that the role players for Portland stepped up on the road. Usually role players step up at home, but they stepped up on the road yesterday. Aminu had a big game. Harkless had a big game. Uh, Miles Leonard came in and just affected the game in different ways. Mm -hmm. And my star that I love off of Portland bench is Zach Collins. Uh, he came in with 10 points last night and, I mean, just affected the game, was being a rim protector. So, I mean, you know, they got to own the paint. Yes, they most definitely have to own the paint. And we should note that the Thunder have missed more shots than anybody in the league the last three years. And that is indicative of Russell Westbrook and this offense um, playing sticky offense, meaning that the ball doesn't move, which means Billy Donovan needs to needs to find a way to get through to Russell Westbrook. And if and if Russell Westbrook isn't going to listen to Billy Donovan, then yes, you've got to find you've got to ask yourself if you're Sam Presti, is it time to make a change and just bite the bullet and pay and pay Billy Donovan out? Another question that the Thunder do not want to be trying to answer here in the next few hours is is this core good enough to win a championship? And if the answer to that is no, now you've got to decide, okay, 
Do I need to figure out a way to put people around these these guys to make them win a championship? Do I need an upgrade or a, or a different coach? Or is it time to just start blowing things up? I've got people that want to trade Russell Westbrook. There is going to be a schism within the Oklahoma City Thunder fan base if the Thunder get knocked out tonight where it's going to be split between those that want to trade Russell because they feel like he's bad and those that want to keep Russell. And here's what you've got to ask. If you're trading Russell, are you trading him to win a championship or are you trading him because now you feel it's time to push the reset button? And I spent all day trying to figure out good trades for Russell Westbrook and you certainly don't upgrade from Russell Westbrook in a trade. Not that you necessarily need to. All you really need is now to figure out a way to put Dennis Schroeder at the one, build around him, Paul George. I would say that you get rid of Adams at that point. And, and one, you got to ask, does Paul George want to do this? Is Paul George willing to be a part of a team without Russell Westbrook? And if he's not, then you got to figure out a way to trade him. But yeah, all these things are going to be talked about with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And unfortunately, we don't have an answer about this core, other than right now, I think we would agree the consensus is no, it's not good enough to win a championship. So are you ready to push the reset button, or can you make the right moves to get the right people around Russell Westbrook and Paul George and help them accomplish what you want them to accomplish, which is hang that banner, and guess what? You've only got about two years to do it. After this year, you've got about two years where that is an absolute realistic possibility before you're really going to have to tear things down, not just to the stud, but to the foundation and really start over. And what Clay Bennett has to ask himself when that's the case, if that is even the case now, are you as the fans willing to support this? It's all stuff. It's all food for thought. And hopefully we're not talking about that tomorrow on the show. Uh, And hopefully we're not going more in depth. Um, hopefully we're breaking down the game, talking about a Thunder win and getting ready for game six back in Oklahoma City. And until tomorrow, may God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody. And peace, love, and Thunder up. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.